The reading is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Thanks very much, Jean, for those prayers, and uh, Catherine for that reading, and... Uh, a very, very good dramatisation of Paul's anger there, I thought. <laughs> yeah, very good indeed. Woke us all up, so thank you. <laughs> so, Paul writing to the Galatians. Um, I'll come to that in a moment. But I want to bring us to the present day. Excuse me. I want to bring us to, to, to the, the world we're living in at the moment. Because if you look around, if you, if you read the papers, if you watch the news, if you follow social media, um, there's a lot of noise going on at the moment. There's a, lot, there's a, there's a big debate, there's a big argument. Um, and it goes something like this. It goes, vaccines or no vaccines? Or boosters or no boosters? Or masks or no masks? Or, and, and people on both sides of that argument hold strongly to their beliefs. And if you listen to the news or you scroll through social media, it won't be long before you see some reference to that ongoing, I'll call it, debate about what's right, what's the right thing to do. I've got my personal views. I'm not going to voice them this morning. It isn't about that. Uh, the point I'm trying to make simply is that the reality is people often don't agree with each other. People believe different things. Uh, and 
people will build upon the arguments uh, that support their point of view. Uh, and perhaps I've, I've just chosen that example. I could have chosen lots of examples of things that people don't agree about. But that perhaps is, is, is one that's really buzzing around and, and, and high profile at the moment. Um, and I think, to be honest, it's also one that uh, probably you know, most people in the country will say, yes, I've got a view one way or the other. I, I don't think there are many people who sort of sit and say, well, I, I don't really know either way. I, th I think people either you know, subscribe to, yes, let's get boosted and vaccined or, or not. And I'm using that as an example of, of what was going on in Galatia. Uh, and, and by pure uh, coincidence, I think, <laughs> but you should never say things like that, I suppose, should you? But, but in the message translation of the first uh, uh, few verses of that passage that Catherine just read, uh, it reads as follows. I can't believe your fickleness. How easily you have turned traitor to him who called you by the grace of Christ by embracing, and wait for it, this is the coincidence, a variant message. <laughs> is that a word or is that a word? I, I, I don't know, but, but um, a variant message. But I read that and I thought, actually, you know, that's a, that's a very in word at the moment, isn't it? You know, who, who knows what the next variant is coming round the corner, which next COVID variant. Um, but, but I think perhaps that, that whole COVID thing has brought that into our consciousness in terms of variant. A slight change to what we've been used to, which actually can bring about havoc and chaos. So a slight change to the rules of monopoly could have benefited me rather than my brother. Maybe. He's coming to lunch today, so I'll have to, uh, I'll have to tell him. <laughs> so in Paul's letter to the Galatians, uh, the purpose of this letter is twofold. Firstly, um, it's to vindicate Paul's authority as an apostle. Uh, so he is very clear. Uh, he says, this is who I am, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me. This is who I am. You know, I'm not just any old uh, Tom, Dick or Harry Paul. You know, I am this Paul. Uh, and I am an apostle. Because there was some sense that perhaps Paul was an imposter. So he's writing this letter to put the record straight. And secondly, he's writing this letter to vindicate the truth of the gospel that he has preached. Why is he doing that? Well, I'm going to try and put this into a, sh a small nutshell, but it's a bit complex, um, and we're at the beginning, I should have said this at the beginning, we're at the beginning of a series uh, called Into Faith and Freedom, uh, and no doubt when Dan comes back from holiday, he'll sort it all out for us, so don't worry about what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> if you're watching the recording, Dan. <laughs> so, in a nutshell, Paul's adversaries, let's call them, the, the Judaizers, believed, among other things, 
that a number of the ceremonial practices of the Old Testament were still binding on the New Testament church. And for example, they had been insisting that Gentile converts to Christianity abide by certain Old Testament rites, including and especially circumcision. Don't worry, that's it. Right, the Judaizers, who uh, argued that Paul was not an authentic apostle and that out of a desire to make the gospel more appealing to the Gentiles, he had removed from the gospel certain legal requirements, like the requirements to be circumcised. So this is Paul's response. This is the beginning of the letter. We're going to look through the rest of the letter in, in subsequent weeks, or try not to tread on the toes of those who come after me. Dan, sorry. Uh, but Paul responded by clearly establishing his apostolic authority. I am an apostle sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. And therefore, he wants to substantiate, to give credence to the gospel that he preached. And when his adversaries introduced additional requirements for justification, for example, to say, well, you've also got to abide by these works of the law, then they had perverted the gospel of grace. And unless prevented from doing that, would bring Paul's converts into a bondage of legalism, of being bound by legalistic, unnecessary legalistic requirements. Because what uh, Paul is saying as he goes through this letter, uh, very clearly, is that it is by grace, by a gift, through faith alone, that men and women are justified. And it is by faith alone that they are to live out their new lives in the freedom of the Spirit. I hope that's not too complicated. I'm just trying to, to give a, 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 a concise summary there. So what do you believe? What do you put your faith in. I got into my car the other day, which is now, uh, on December the 21st, it was 10 years old, I, I bought it a birthday cake, didn't really, anyway. uh, and it's still going, well, almost. Yeah. I got into my car the other day, and as I turned the key, there was that horrible, you know, that moment of hesitation, you know, <laughs> will it, or won't it, <laughs> you know, and you could sense the battery having to dig down to its deepest depths to find enough volts to turn the engine over. You know that feeling you, and that horrible sense of, oh dear, is this going to start or not? And after that moment of hesitation, the engine did start. But it was enough to remind me that it would be a good idea to give my car battery a bit of a boost with the charger. It's that time of year isn't it, when uh, in a 10-year-old car, the battery gets a bit tired. Um, it's that time of year when your car battery is under pressure. And you know, there are times when our faith can also be under pressure. 
when if we go to turn our faith key, there's that moment of hesitation. That moment of, ooh, is, is this going to work? Have I got enough juice in my faith battery? And you know, I think that it's sometimes that at times like those that we stray away from God's rules and teaching. We err towards making it easier for ourselves. We plug into another power source. I don't know if uh, any of you watch a, a programme on television, The Cube. Anyone seen that? The, am I the only one who's watched The Cube? No? Two, I think Tracy and I watched The Cube. <laughs> Maybe a few of it. Right, okay. So The Cube is a, gay, is a game show on television. Um, and, and there is a big perspex cube, um, you know, big enough to stand in. Um, and you, you have to choose to go into The Cube and play a game. Uh, and those are games of sort of skill, you know, throwing balls into, into pots or, um, or, or guessing how many cubes flash on the floor or, um, I'm struggling here to explain it, but, but, but it's sort of game, games of simple skill. Um, and, and you've got nine lives and if you play that game, uh, once you're in the cube, you've only got those nine lives and if you, if you go through all your lives, if you fail, then you don't win the money. But one of the things you've got, one of the lifelines you've got is, is what's called a simplify option. Yeah. And, and you can choose, you know, you've got eight lives down and one remaining, you can choose to simplify the game you're playing. And what they usually do is give you a bit more time to play the game or, or make the hole you're throwing the ball into a bit bigger or, or slow something down. So you've got a bit more chance to play the game and to win. You get more time, a bigger target, an easier game. And I wonder sometimes if we, in our lives, look for that simplify option. We, we, we say, well, well actually, I, I'm struggling here, so I, I, need, I need to make it a bit simpler for myself. I need to cut a few corners, perhaps. As we stand at the gateway of the new year, it's customary to look ahead uh, as well as looking back. And we've all come through not one but nearly two years of significant difficulty and, and, and stress and strain and, and all sorts of awful things in the pandemic. And I guess that most of us would want to have a, inverted commas, a better year, whatever that might look like. Paul says in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. When times get difficult, do you desert God or do you turn to him? Do you amend the rules to play a simplify option, which is really no journey, gospel journey at all? Is your faith strong enough for you to put all your trust in God? Or do you need something else to lean on? You know, during the first months of the pandemic, there were many people, there were, there were testimonies to this, there were many people who said that actually 
they'd started to pray for the first time. Even this, although this was not their normal practice, they'd, 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 they'd said, well, in all this stuff going on, in, in, in facing this, this, uh, this foe, I'm going to start praying. And it's speculated, going, going back to the reason for the Paul's letter, it's speculated that the Judaizers had a motive for encouraging the Gentile converts to go back to the old law. Uh, because that if they did that, if the, if the Judaizers encouraged the Gentiles to go back to the old law, that they would somehow appease the zealot Jews who had objected to these Judaizers mixing with the Gentiles. So, in, in, in simple terms, for them, by advocating this change, this was potentially a route to an easier way of life than would otherwise have been the case. You know, I liked playing Monopoly with my brother, but I liked to win. Putting it bluntly, I was afraid to put my faith in playing by the rules in case I lost. You know, we're fortunate that on the whole we are free to make choices about how we live our lives. Uh, perhaps our experience through the pandemic when more rules were introduced with regard to social distancing or mixing of households or wearing masks, working from home, etc., has, has just helped us to make us realise just how free we are to do what we want to do in more normal times. But, you know, with choices also comes temptation. I don't know how many of you uh, shop at Sainsbury's, but, uh, but we do, tend to shop at Sainsbury's. Um, and if you're at Sainsbury's, you know, when you pay, you know, as well as putting your money in or your, your card in, you, you get a string of these out. <laughs> yeah, you, you get a string of temptation, let me call it, you know. Um, because this uh, tells me that I can get all sorts of extra bonus points. You know, 50 points for buying courgettes. Well, we buy courgettes normally, so that's okay. That's right. That, that's, that's nice of them. Uh, unsalted British butter, you know, gets better. Middle, uh, melt in the middle, cod and creamy parsley sauce fish cakes. This is an insight into the Burgess diet here. Um, <laughs> Sainsbury's Scottish porridge oats. Um, but then there are some odd ones, <laughs> yeah, so, some curved balls. You know, so so um, last time I went shopping, I was offered 60 bonus points if I bought My Skin Matters Coconut and Shea Hydrating Hand Cream. <laughs> uh, and there was another one here that I skipped by. Um, uh, where is it? Oh, it's here, here it is. It's, now, now this, is, this is really stretching, definitely not temptation. This is, this is, this is a no-no, but... I will get 60 bonus points if I buy Bergen's sprouted grains, soya and linseed, or oat and quinoa. I don't know what it is, but I don't really want it. You know, so. But, you know, some things get put in front of you and you are tempted. You know, what Sainsbury's didn't put, unfortunately, you know, is buy some clotted cream, you know, so... 
But it was Christmas and I bought some anyway, you know, because I was tempted, because it's Christmas and I like clotted cream and I know that I shouldn't eat it, but I did and I do and I've still got some left. <sighs> you see, as we go forward uh, in the lives that we are living, there will be temptations put in our way. There will be. But in your gospel journey, what is tempting you away from the path that God would like you to tread? As we stand at the beginning of the year, I'm going to ask you, not, not to answer out loud, but ask yourselves, what are your vulnerabilities in that respect? What are your vulnerabilities? As we heard from the way that Catherine read that reading, Paul was both strong and assertive. He didn't mince his words. And whilst I'm certainly not advocating that we ram the Bible down each other's throats, it is helpful in these times when we're all vulnerable to guide and to stand by each other. So we're here together, we're not here on our own. If you're watching online, you're not you're not online, you're not alone, because we're here together in God's family. It's helpful to encourage each other through our corporate prayer and Bible study. I've said this before, but the Tuesday prayer group, which is, is not a big group, but it's become a really cohesive, strong group of people who've met together regularly, mostly online, but now sometimes face-to-face, and we've encouraged each other, and we've, we've gone through our prayer needs with each other, and, and we've seen answers to prayer. And it's been encouraging to do that together. And we can learn from our teaching, from, from Dan's teaching, as he leads us through uh, Sunday by Sunday. You know, I've spoken a lot about rules today. But the Christian life is so much more than following a set of rules. It's, 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 it's not about rules. I want now to move away from that, that sense of rules and legalism because that's what Paul was saying. It's about living out your life in a particular way. And actually God's grace through Jesus Christ has not bound us up in a set of rules or laws. Rather, he has set us free in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, uh, Paul writes, It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, and uh, there was a reference in the, in the first few verses that, that we read this morning uh, to circumcision. That was, that was the point of law that, that Paul was particularly concerned that people were being brought back into. Uh, and uh, again, I might be treading on Dan's toes for chapter 5, but I'm going to do it anyway. But in chapter 5 and verse 6, uh, we read, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What's, what's a modern-day version of that? Well, I, I'm going to stay, steer a much safer road away from, from circumcision, I think, this morning. Yeah, it's about... Do you wear a tie or do you not wear a tie? And actually God says it doesn't make a difference. Sorry, I'll plug it in. Sorry. Um, so, there we go. Right. So, 
It doesn't make a difference whether you're wearing a tie or you're not wearing a tie. God doesn't care two hoots about that. Because, shock horror, I know Chris, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll counsel you afterwards. Right, okay. So, but it's getting to the root of the matter. It's getting to the root of the matter. And that is about the fact that Christ has set us free. And you know, to conclude this, I've been really struggling to think of an illustration or a comparison of this. And, and you know, perhaps there isn't really a comparison because God's gift of freedom in Christ is just so unique. So perhaps there isn't some, some nice, neat little picture I can give you to help you. Uh, because of the unique nature of God and his relationship with us, the closest I can find... Yeah, and this isn't perfect by any means as an illustration, so you can, you can shoot me down afterwards, but the closest I can find uh, is, is racking my brains back to when I passed my driving test. Uh, because uh, I, I took my driving test in my mum's car, which meant uh, that when I passed my test, happened to be first time, but just, just, just lay that there. You know, so, um, when I passed the test, I then had to drive straight home in my mum's car, because it was my mum's car, so the driving instructor couldn't drive it. You know, now, usually if you're with a driving instructor, you pass your test, I think, you know, quite often they'll drive you home, because you know, <laughs> not quite sure what you might do. But that couldn't happen. And I can remember to this day, and actually by pure coincidence, I, I drove past the end of this road just, just a week or so ago uh, in London, I can remember, I, I drove past it and it was just a memory fixed in my mind. It, it was a, a side road coming out onto a busy main road and I was going to turn right. And instead of before my test, sitting there and waiting and waiting for a gap, my driving instructor said, right Mr Burgess, because that's what he called me, right, right Mr Burgess, now then, uh, you've passed your test and now you need to learn how to drive in a slightly different way. And he said, so it's a busy road, so just start to edge yourself out. Yeah. Just start to poke your nose out from the road, because otherwise we're going to be here for a very long time. <laughs> and I learned that sometimes, you know, when you're driving, you know, you, you, you know, there are rules that we need to drive within, of course. You know, and, and we need to make sure we all drive on the left, don't we? You know, uh, and that sort of stuff. You see. But actually, within that, within that set of rules, we've got some freedom. Yeah. We've got some freedom, whether we choose to go you know, at 20 miles an hour within the 30 mile an hour limit, or 25, or 29, or maybe 30, but no more. Yeah, so. yeah, we've got some freedom. We, we can choose where we go. Yeah, we, we, we've got a car, we've got petrol in it, we, we can drive. And, and, and maybe our life with Christ is a bit like that. It's not a perfect illustration, but it's about understanding that God has given us some freedoms for us to practice what we want to do. You know, and it's up to us, then, to drive in the right way. It's up to us to drive along the right road. It's not a perfect illustration, but maybe it, it, it helps us just to think about how God has given us freedom. So Paul, as he's writing to the Galatians, is wanting to bring this home, is wanting to emphasise this point that, one, Paul has got 
God's authority. He speaks with God's authority. And secondly, please don't stray away from what he had taught them uh, in, in such recent times. So this morning, we have got an opportunity, as we stand at the beginning of the year, to renew our covenant relationship with God. And as we do that, then there is the opportunity for us to, to refresh our thinking, our memories of what God has done for us. So I'm going to read a couple of passages, uh, one from Jeremiah and one from Hebrews. Uh, and these just talk about the old covenant and the new. So in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And then from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, beginning at verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to a judge who is God of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks more graciously than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. So what God offers through his covenant is a loving relationship. It's not a business contract set up between God and humanity for the provision of certain goods and services. Rather, it is the means of grace by which we accept the relationship that God offers and then we seek to sustain it. The covenant prayer that we're going to come to in a moment has been compared by some to a set of New Year resolutions, but ones that emphasise the importance of doing 
and being as much as believing. But more than that, the prayer represents a commitment to being a disciple and putting God first in our lives and in everything about our lives, in what we do, in what we say, and who we are. It is both a surrender to and a trust in God. So as we come to this time, uh, I'm going to invite you in a moment to stand, if you're able to do so, uh, and just to look at the words uh, that will be on the screen, and to, if you agree with them, if you're ready to do this, to say them together. If you're not, then please don't feel compulsion uh, to say them. If you don't mean them, please don't say them. But as we come to that time, I'd, I'd just ask you to consider what things might God be asking you to stop doing? And what might God be asking you to continue doing? And what new things may God place in your life? And just one other suggestion that you might find helpful um, is that uh, when you go away from here, just, just think about what we've been doing and thinking about and talking about this morning. Uh, and maybe write down your thoughts about what you should be stopping and what you might be starting and what you might be continuing. And write them down in a letter to yourself. And you may want to end that letter with a reminder of these words of Jeremiah. I will be their God, says the Lord, and they shall be my people. And once you've written that letter, if you want to do this, you don't have to by any means, now put the letter in an envelope and address it to yourself and don't forget to put a stamp on it. And then give it to a friend that you trust. And to a friend who's got a good memory as well. <laughs> and ask them to post it to you in a couple of months' time. And when it arrives, it'll be a reminder for you. Just to think, actually, how has that gone? Am I on course, or do I need to steer myself back on course? Uh, and I hope that if you do that, that will be an encouragement and a reminder of your commitment, of the prayer that you pray, and of your journey of discipleship with God. So I invite you now to stand. Lord God, Holy Father, since you have called us through Christ to share in this gracious covenant, we take on upon ourselves with joy the yoke of obedience, and for love of you engage ourselves to seek and to do your perfect will. We are no longer our own, but yours. And we say these words together. I am no longer my own but yours. Ask me to do what you will. 
link me with whom? Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all my things to your pleasure and use. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine, and I am yours. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.